Hello and welcome to Fantasy Five Aside with me, Jim Campbell. Today's guest is Nick Bright, host of BBC Radio on Extra on Saturdays from 10 till 1, the squad on BBC Radio 5 Live and a man who's generally popping up everywhere. Welcome, Nick. How are you doing today? Yeah, not too bad, my friend. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, so thank you for coming on to the show. Uh, are, are you much of a five-a-side player yourself, generally? Well, I used to be, believe it or not, back in the day, um, you know, around college age and yeah. you know, when I was at university, when you're generally younger and a, and a bit fitter. But yeah. probably if, if you were to ask me when the last time I actually took part in a five-a-side game was, I would struggle to remember yeah, I'm I'm similar, and actually, I, I don't know if you had the same experience, but I used to play after school every day, and sort of a bit more at college and stuff. But f- that first big gap after not playing to then going back to p- playing, I was not prepared for the world of pain that 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 was my muscles the two days after that. Like when you play all the time, you have no idea that happens to you. But my God, yeah, it's no different to when you haven't been to the gym for a long time, I guess, uh, and then. All of a sudden, you the next day. That's when you feel it. It's yeah. it's DOMS, isn't it? Delayed onset muscle soreness without getting you know too scientific nice. or GCSEPE. Um, it's it is horrible. I remember um, the first proper eleven aside game. I, I still remember this now to this day. I, I um, when I say proper, I mean as a as an adult rather than yeah. as, as a child. I played an eleven aside game against my college lecturers, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> I say adult, I'm still probably quite young, maybe 18 or, or 19. And uh, I hadn't played an Leverside game properly for years. And the next day, well, it was probably about the next three days, I getting in and out of bed was a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, people talk about like young footballers and stuff saying that, you know, th- this idea of like not overplaying them. That's why, even when you're 18, like you, you <laughs> oh God, you feel like a statue. It's, it's <laughs> awful. Anyway, moving on from that hell. Um, so obviously you are player manager of your team in this in this conceit. So yeah. um, where, whereabouts are you, are you putting yourself into that team? Well, I used to... Contrary to what I've just said, I used to actually play semi-pro football back right. in the day. Um, oh, so even even that you know that even happens to you, which is yeah. you know, there's no hope for the rest of us. <laughs> uh, I used to play for a team called Moneyfields in Portsmouth, and uh, which is where my parents live. And uh, I used to play on the right side of defence. So that's where I mean it's five aside, so you probably yeah. can't probably can't stick myself there. But in defence somewhere is yeah. where I am putting myself. More of a destroyer than a creator. Uh, yeah, most definitely, and and more of a hoof it anywhere than a <laughs> play it out from the backer. Yeah, same. I I am that as well. I would love to be one of those people that has the vision to pick a pass, but uh, I I feel like my style is more like just a hand grenade that's been rolled onto the pitch. Like I, I'm not really that in control of my limbs, so we'll see what happens. If so. in doubt, kick it out was was the uh, was the motto. Indeed. So, well, that's uh, yeah, that's that's very honest and fair. I think that, that's that's a, a trope of five-a-side players that we're all familiar with. But luckily, you can pick anyone from the world of football to guide you through that. So, who have you gone for first as your goalkeeper? Right. Well, in goal, it could only be one man for me um, because I, I kind of feel like if I'm a player in a team, although I'm the manager as well, if there's a chance that I am actually on the pitch, I'm going to need Firstly, good players all around me. But secondly, I'm going to need people who I am scared of. And this man <laughs> is definitely one of those. Uh, Jens Lehmann, oh, Arsenal and Germany goalkeeper. What a man. Big Jens. An incredible man. And just 
a really good goalkeeper, it sort of gets forgotten about Jens, because, forgotten, forgotten, forgotten about Jens because he's so he's such an outspoken character, and and when he did silly things, they really were quite spectacularly silly. But I mean, what a what a force between the sticks. He just encapsulates for me what goalkeepers need to be. They need to be good, but also to play in goal, you need to be a little bit mad. And mm. Jens, he kind of went completely mad. He even got the nickname Mad Jens um, from, from a lot of fans. But the maddest moments that I can remember from him was um, the sending off in the Champions League final. Yeah. Because I'm an, I'm an Arsenal fan and was very painful to lose that match. And, it uh, was. Look, I don't want to blame anybody for it. And I'm not, I'm not blaming Jens Lehmann at all because he did what he needed to do at the time. Well, he did what he thought was right at the time. Um, but it, 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 we saw kind of flashes of the madness there. But the maddest moment for me came two years before that when Arsenal won the league at White Hart Lane. Mm. Um, two all draw. I don't know if you remember the game. We I were do. We up and... Uh, Tottenham managed to bring it back to two all, but we only needed a point to, to, to win the league anyway. But... Based in the 92nd minute, I think it was, <laughs> Jens Lehmann conceded a penalty when uh, Spurs had a corner and, and, and Robbie Keane stepped up. Uh, well, Robbie Keane was um, kind of, you know, when um, players kind of stand in the way of goalkeepers and stuff like yeah. that. Robbie Keane was basically doing that, making a nuisance of himself. And Jens Lehmann just decided to skull crush. It's the, the best way for me to describe it. I think of, you know, WWF wrestlers back in the day where they would, yeah. you know, put their hands either side of someone's head and squeeze. That's kind of what Jens Lehmann did. And he, it, the penalty got given anyway and um, Robbie Keane scored it, but we went on to win the league at White Hart Lane. So, you know, it doesn't yeah. really matter that much. But from that moment on, I was like, this guy, he's just bloody magnificent. I he mean, is. I, I really sort of wonder what the thought process was there. It's almost like he'd got ahead of himself and he was fantasising about actually picking up the trophy. And, <laughs> Crushing and he just, the trophy. Yeah, yeah, Robbie Keane's head was the nearest thing. So that that was what happened to be the substitute in his mind. The the Champions League final thing was interesting as well. I think this really kind of sums up the, the, the brilliance, but also the chaos of Jens Lehmann in that um, going up to that game and actually including it, I believe, um, he set a record for uh, uh it was 10 consecutive clean sheets um uh, which added up to 853 minutes without conceding a goal and uh, part of that run included that champions league final and he got he got sent off after 18 minutes <laughs> so like i mean it's, he's done this incredible like herculean feat to get arsenal there as well and he saved a penalty from uh juan ramon Riquelme in the, in the semi-final against villarreal yeah. so he was a real hero and then the, the icing on the cake is 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 some quite mad icing <laughs> I mean, we, we wouldn't have it any other way, though, surely. No, absolutely not. Because, I mean, he came in to replace David Seaman, which is a huge ask, right? You yeah. know, he, he was one of those legacy goalkeepers, and especially having been the England goalkeeper and, and being a, a real sort of Arsenal character. That's a, it's a tough thing to do. And he comes straight into the team that, uh, that, that wins the league without losing a game. Uh, but at the same time, you've got all those crazy little things that happened in there. And uh, I, I really sort of enjoyed that about him. And also that he, he came out of retirement to help out Arsene Wenger just proper like one last job sort of thing like kind of like a goalkeeping heist movie or yeah like he definitely had that kind of just a sense of fun about him but at the same time it was 
it's more what he did than what he said. He's not like much of a wacky character, is he? If you were explaining Jens Lehman to somebody who didn't know anything about them, they would probably get the impression that he's a bit of a crazy guy in, in the way he conducts himself. But it's all about how he acts. And I love that. Yes. It's all done with a straight face. That's so true, actually, when you think about it. You know, he's not somebody who was flamboyant off the pitch or or, or somebody who you'd hear lots of stories about um, outside of the 90 minutes. It was all about what happened on the pitch. And, and again, I'm kind of here for that because, you know, when certain players are more known for their antics away from the field than, than on it, it gets a bit tiresome and a little bit jarring, yeah. you know, a, a little bit like, you know, we, we all love Mario Balotelli to a degree, but it does become a little bit tiresome that yeah. everything about him is like, oh, did you see Balotelli doing this on Twitter or Instagram yeah. or whatever? Whereas with Lehman, show becomes the yeah, show. Exactly. Whereas Jens Lehman was very much like, you know, it might have been different if social media was more prevalent back then, but but it, but it wasn't. And, you know, it was it was the craziness that happened on the pitch that earned him the nickname Mad Jens. And, yeah. and I love that. Fletcher. And Ronaldo gets it down and Lehman's Nothing about it. It's hit him flush in the face. And he's driven this with some power. But this is really poor defending at the back post from a buoy. It's a bread and butter cross you should deal with. But watch this. Flush off the face. But he won't mind. He won't mind. He's a goalkeeper and he's kept it out of his net somehow. That's an, that's an exceptional start. I'm so, I'm so glad to be able to talk about Jens Lehmann as, as any right-minded football fan I'm sure is. But um, um, I'm noticing a trend develop already, Nick. Uh, who have you gone for as your first outfield player? Right, well, my first outfield player. Imagine these two playing together. Um, so from Jens Lehmann to Sergio Ramos. <laughs> that's who I've decided to go for. Who uh, wouldn't want this guy in their five-a-side team? Absolutely. Now, I, I try to, um, if people pick players that have been on the show before, I try to ask them to to pick someone else. Sergio Ramos has been picked before, but I just have to relax it for him. I've got, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Sergio Ramos. Again, he's one you can talk about all day. Like that, that, disciplinary record of his is, is absolutely phenomenal I think was his last red card is 26th or something yep. something mad like that 26 I, deep in the game it's it's, it's 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 defining the game really isn't it to, to do you know that there's some people that would go oh he's he's disgusting player 26 red card but I kind of see it as a little bit of a, a badge of honor you know, he, he yeah. is somebody who will go above and beyond for his team to win. If that yeah. means sacrificing himself, he makes himself a sacrificial lamb and early, many early showers. Maybe he yeah. just doesn't like showering with other people. Who knows? But, you know, 26 <laughs> red cards um, and an, an ultimate amount of scumbaggery. I yeah. mean, I feel like his scumbaggery is is unrivaled in the modern era. Yeah, I I mention this every time uh, we talk about Sergio Ramos on the podcast, and I I don't care, frankly, at this point if it sounds repetitive. Five of those reds are against Barcelona. That five is, against that one lovely. team. Most That's, players don't get sent off that much in their career. But the thing is, with with that, right? Obviously, Barcelona are, are Real Madrid's main rivals in the Liga. If you, I mean, from from my perspective, if we had a, a legacy player at Arsenal who was just constantly getting sent off because he against Spurs because he really, really wanted to win those games and he yeah. knows how much the fans hate Spurs. I, I think he's a cult hero. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, without doubt. I mean, uh, Sergio Ramos is too big to be a cult hero, isn't he? I think he's more like a cult leader. Yeah. Like he leads, <laughs> leads the cult of Sergio. Um, <laughs> That's true. But yeah, absolutely. That, that Real Madrid fans, they're not easy to please, are they? And, no. and you know, he, he is a, a mainstay there. And that is such a difficult thing to achieve at that club. The, the players that have gone through there and done well there that don't really achieve legend status is there's not really a club comparable to it. But Ramos has, has really made that the heart of that defence his own. And what a, what a player he is as well. He pops up with big goals all the time. And yeah. It's just, yeah, he's, he's not someone you want to play against. He, he is a, a Bond villain, essentially. Yeah. In the footballing equivalent of a Bond villain, you know. Uh, he is hated by all, the ultimate bad guy, but loved and idolised by his own fans. And mm. if you had him in your team, you know, he's, he, we have to say as well, he's a top quality defender when he's not, you know, getting sent off, taking early yeah. showers and that, you know, great defender. And if I'm playing in defence, if I'm the only other option, we're going <laughs> to need somebody good. So Sergio Ramos, yeah. it has to get in the team. Absolutely. I, I think as well, one of the joys of being being a football fan um, is not just that, you know, you love the, the, the quality of the elite level athletic prowess on display, but also the characters in it. There's a, there's a, almost a, you referenced to WWE earlier, but th- one of my favorite things about football is, is how kind of silly it can be. And, and Ramos gives you both of those things. He gives you that top level quality, or you know that if you're watching a game he's involved in, he's going to, you know, just wow you and impress you. Uh, but also you never quite know, well, you do know what might happen, but it, again, it's going to be chaos. This takes straight already, Jens and Ramos. I mean, this <laughs> is, you might not finish the game. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's probably going to be red cards galore. And Zimmer quickens the pace. PK is the rock-like figure for Barcelona. Oh, it's a It's one of those tackles where Ramos had committed himself to the ball. Oh, straight red. Ramos oh, is off. Goodness. Well, the referee didn't even consider that. Let's have a look, see. I think he's right because he does go on two-footer, Robbie. He's every right to set him off. That's a two-footer. That's a really rice challenge. Wait to hear who I've got in midfield. If you feel like <laughs> if you feel like th- these two are, are bad, M- midfield is is going to be an area where red cards are, are going to be prevalent. All right. Well, then let, let's let's shuffle on from from Sergio Ramos um, because we all know what Ramos brings, and I, I think we've we covered it fairly extensively. So, who, who have you gone for in midfield? Right, well, in midfield, I've gone for a footballer turned Hollywood star these days in, well, Hollywood. I don't know, I don't know how uh, accurate ho- Hollywood is. That could be, <laughs> I could be getting done by, for the Trades Description Act there. But anyway, he's a movie star of some kind. Vinnie Jones is who I'm talking about. The nice. original member or one of the original members of the, the, the Wimbledon crazy gang. What yeah. a guy. So also as well, I love the idea of you've got you've got Jens in goal, you've got Ramos next to you. I'm going to assume Sergio Ramos doesn't know a huge amount about Vinnie Jones. But I, imagine, <laughs> I just love the idea of, of Ramos looking to you going, are you sure about this guy? <laughs> I, I think Ramos is a big lock, stock and two smoking barrels fan. Yeah, really. fair. I mean, he's actually, seen yeah, that, it's a very football of film that. Isn't it? It, it, it? Do you know what's strange? You know, there must be people out there in the world. There must be people in the world who don't know Vinnie Jones was a footballer and may oh, have yeah. only seen the film, and and then they 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 see old clips and they're like, that, that guy looks like the guy from Lockstock. Yeah, that it guy is. grabbing Gaza's nuts. Is that is that Photoshop? <laughs> 
Is that meant to be what was he called? Was he was it Big Chris or Bullet Bullet Tooth Tony was Snatch, wasn't it? Yeah, um, he, he he was Big Chris. You are correct. Yeah, um, but I mean, as a footballer, he was he was he was sort of widely mocked for his his kind of hard man style, despite actually being really good at it. You know, I mean, yeah. that crazy gang they won the FA Cup against Liverpool, which is, it's not really a it's very hard to make a modern comparison to what an achievement that is. But um, again, 12, 12 red cards once booked after three seconds. <laughs> three, three. I've, I've, I'm probably not, if my five-a-side team, if we're entered in a tournament, we're probably not going to win. Not based on the <laughs> fact that I don't have quality in the team, based on the fact that we're, we're going to be expelled from the tournament. Yeah, if you come up against a single wind-up merchant, you're, That's you're done. You're done. I mean, at least there's one thing we will win, and that is kind of, well, I say win. We'll come bottom of the fair play table. We'll get yeah. most most red cards. And also, if there is a, a mass brawl, I feel like I'm in good company. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you're probably not really going to get need to get involved, are you? No, no, at I all, mean, really. No, 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 not not the face. That's the that's the money maker for me. You know, I, I need that. <laughs> you know. So, what's what's Vinny bringing to your team aside from the? Uh, you know, potential bomb scares of, of, of red cars. Well, red the, cars. The, the main reason I put Vinnie Jones in the team is um, not that long ago, I was just browsing Facebook. Um, unbelievably, uh, I must be one of the only people that's still on there. Um, mm. But anyway, I was on there. And you know, when th- these compilations, somebody, somebody, one of my friends on Facebook, who's probably somebody I haven't seen for about 600 years, posted mm. a... Uh, a Vinnie Jones compilation thing. It was basically just like a compilation of the hardest Vinnie Jones tackles. And I was like, this guy, he is sensational. The the fact that it shows how much football has changed as well from, you know, the the late nineties compared to now, because some of these tackles were just out of this world and they weren't even yellow cards. Uh, So I saw that and I was like, if I had the chance to play football with him, I most definitely would. He's also bringing, you know, jokes and laughs because you you need that. You know, not only do you need, good players and stuff like that. You need somebody who brings a bit of a bit of something else. And he, he, as I said at the start of this bit, you know, he was part of the original crazy gang and they were the jokers of football that, that Wimbledon side so much so that one of the first football matches that I can remember going to, um, I grew up in South London. I'm from, I'm from, um, South Nord, which is Mm. a stone's throw from Selhurst park. So you could, you could see the ground outside my brother's uh, bedroom window. Wow. And, um, I'm sure I'd been to games before this, but this is one of my earliest football memories. Um, and I checked the date. I, I, I had a look last night and um, checked the date and it was the 22nd of December, 1997. Um, I was at Sellers Park. It was um, Wimbledon Arsenal because Wimbledon mm. used the ground share with Crystal Palace, of course. Back yeah. Um, and it, I, I don't know if you remember this. There was floodlight failure um twice in fact in the game the floodlights went out and then they managed to get them back on and then they went out again and the game got postponed but I can remember the I think it was I think it was in between the first floodlight failure and the second floodlight failure the players were back out on the pitch doing another warm-up to get ready to resume the game and then when the floodlights went out again Vinnie Jones just decided to get the ball 
um, and run into the Arsenal end <laughs> in front of all the Wimbledon fans and just smash it into the goal um, in the dark. And all the Wimbledon fans went went mental, as you could imagine. Yeah. You know, they knew it weren't a goal, obviously, because the lights were out and nobody was tracking him and there was no winning goal. <laughs> but, you know, people loved that stuff. And, and yeah. he did that. And and it's, it's funny the kind of things that you remember, because at that point as well on the on the solo LED screen that they had in the in, in, in Sellers Park back then, you know, not not mm. like the screens you've got now, which are basically TVs. They had an, an LED screen um, scoreboard, and up on it it said "Merry Christmas." Does anyone have any fifty p's? Because the lights <laughs> were going out, and I just remember it, and it was a little like hand putting a coin in a coin slot. Yeah, it is um, one of those. Uh, it is one of those like quirky little nineties memories, isn't it? Like it's not it quite up there with. with- when Cantona kicked that guy at Selhurst Park, but it is one of those sort of little and finally sort of moments. But yeah, I think that that is a side of Vinnie Jones that was always there, wasn't it? That sort of quite clownish, yeah. um, like just just funny side of him, and he, he cultivated both of those. I mean, it's not it's not just because he was known as a hard man that he was cast as a hard man in in Hollywood. He had a you know he had some comic chops as well, even as a footballer. It's weird to be talking about how he translated his football personality to his acting one, but he really did do that, and he was cultivating that the whole time as well. Do you remember he got in some trouble because he made a video called Soccer's Hard Men, and it um it featured it featured uh, like advice basically for you if you were like a budding hard man and it was just a video full of horrible tackles like encouraging just foul play and violence while he was a player (laughs) big chris settles debts for harry the only thing he cares more about than an unsettled debt is his son and heir little chris look at me This is one of them high-power jobs, isn't it? Oh! Got some bad news for you, John. What the fuck? You've got a lot of steel in there, um, but there's a, there's a bit of panache coming up. Who have you gone for as your, as your other midfielder? Yeah, a bit, a bit of what I like to call steely panache, actually, just because mm. um, once I say the name, you'll understand why. Um, I've gone for Zinedine Zidane as my oh. next player. Uh, Zizou. I mean, what can you say about Zidane? One of the most technical gifted players I think I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, without question. And that was, what, that, that was what stands out to him. He's one of those players where obviously he's, a, he's the sort of, the talisman of a generation, really. And I think one of the mm. things that's really interesting about football that, that sets it apart from a lot of stuff, it is, it's the loyalty involved, isn't it? It's that you support a club and you are just like, once you choose that club, you are bonded to that club forever. And the most important thing in football is your club and to a lesser extent, um, in some cases, your country, because obviously, you know, people are loyal to their country for whatever reasons, aside from sport. But Zidane really transcends that, doesn't he? You don't need yeah. to have supported a club uh, that Zidane played for. You don't need to be French to love Zidane like he was one of your own because he's one of the diamonds in in, in the crown of, of the sport itself, really. I feel like he was kind of um, one of the originators for that because we are seeing nowadays, I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like nowadays 
we're seeing a lot of people supporting players, almost yeah. like the American model. You know, like in in America, um, people follow certain basketball players, and when they leave to go to different um, franchises, they just follow that franchise. And the same yeah. with NFL. And we're starting to see that now in football with people like Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo and Neymar, and you know mm. the superstars. And Mbappe, I'm sure, is going to be one of those. Um, but Zidane was kind of like the original player for that because even yeah. though he spent a large chunk of his career at Real Madrid and I think it was Juventus before that um you know people as you've just said just love to watch him and I think it's because he was just so good when it came to being able to find uh, that perfect pass being able to mm. bring the ball down those little touches those little you know tricks those flicks those those things that you know, as football fans, when we see, uh, you know, players do that, even in the stadium, you hear people go, oh, yeah. like Zidane was that guy. But he was, it, it was the glide he had as well as he ran. It was just like so, such total control of the ball, almost like they were, they were bonded together when when he was on it. And yeah, just he, he's such a player for the big occasion as well. And as you say, he's got that that steely panache as well, that that kind of hard man side to his game. But I wonder actually, because you've got so many other hard men in there, if everything was kicked off, I don't know if he'd actually need to kind of activate like crazy Zidane, you know, <laughs> like maybe, maybe he could keep calm and just boss the game. Just, just leave it up to Vinnie Jones. You exactly. Know? We, we, we've got Vinnie in there. You know, he's he's the enforcer and Zinedine Zidane just in front of him to, you know, yeah. pick out that perfect pass to my striker, who I'm not going to reveal just yet. Yeah. Don't worry. Um, yeah if, if Zidane loses the ball, which he won't, there'll be uh, Vinnie there to clean it up. <laughs> Yeah, and if Vinny's not there, we got Sergio Ramos. You know, <laughs> well, I'm laughing here. I'm hardly going to have to do anything. Yeah, but, you know, but obviously um, Zidane is remembered mostly by a lot of people for what happened in his final game for France, um, yeah. which was the headbutt um, to Maserati. Um, which was a shame that France went on to to lose the game. Um, and, and it was unreal, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Do you know what it's? I I feel I I personally feel like in my football watching lifetime and, and matches that I watched firsthand or that I can remember watching because again you've obviously got Anfield '89 which I've seen mm-hmm. a million times but I don't remember watching that so yeah. I was too young I, I would have been three um, so for me that 2006 World Cup final is one of the most surreal games I remember watching live. Because it was just, it was crazy. It was all built up to be like, this is his final game. You know, he's probably, because everybody was saying he's probably going to bow out as, um, you know, a World Cup winner again, blah, yeah. blah, blah. It was, it was all built to be, you know, France are going to win again. And then just the maddest moment, you know, and we'll never know if, you know, what's claimed to have been said was said or, or, or what, because we, we weren't on the pitch, but... It's just the maddest moment. Yeah, I I remember seeing it happen and then basically not believing my eyes. Do you know what I mean? It's a very rare feeling. It was it was almost like it happened. I didn't take it in, and then my brain went, "Hang on, did he just headbutt him? Oh God, he's going to have to be sent off. He's yeah. going to have to be sent off." It's and uh, that feeling was just just the drama unfolding. It was Shakespearean almost. And as you say, the fact that the World Cup final was his final game. Like it wasn't just the end of a season at club level. It wasn't, you know, 
it, it, it wasn't something that was curtailed through injury. It was the biggest game in football was was the stage on which he was bowing out. And then it went that way. It is when you kind of break down all the facts and, you know, we, we know all this, what you've just said. But when you mm. kind of say it, it's like, yeah, wow, bloody hell, that is that's mad, you know, to do that. And, and, and also, you know, a lot of the time, if something gets said or you don't like something that's been said, there, there might be kind of like you might go in for the next tackle a bit a bit. Um, you know, rougher or um, yeah. you might try and do like a slice stamp or something. I don't know. But to just do, he knew at that moment, there's no way you're getting away with it. No. Yeah. But it, was, it, was, it was kamikaze, essentially. That's yeah. what he did. That's what I can't get my head around. It's Marco Materazzi. He's a wind-up merchant. You know, he'd have been doing it all game. And even if he hadn't, Zidane's had a long career. He's an intelligent man. You know he doesn't really think those things about your sister. Like, yeah. I just, I still, I will never... If you and I can't understand it now, then we will never understand it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just what an incredible rush of blood to the head. Yeah. I mean, it was lucky it went to his head, actually, because, you know, that <laughs> that's that's the instrument he decided to use. Yeah. Um, but it was just, um, for me, I don't think, I mean, I'm saying this now, there probably will be something that, that is even more crazy that will happen. But, mm. you know, for all the reasons that you just gave and, you know, the fact that, again, final game ever, not final game for, for country before going back to playing for your club for another couple of seasons, final game ever. And yeah. you just decide to go bang, but you don't you don't care. You couldn't care less because, yeah. you know, you're, you're that fuming. I don't think we're going to see something like that again for a long time. No, there is actually a statue of the incident. Um, I forget where it is. I think it, it might have moved around a couple of times. In Zidane's but- house. <laughs> but also what I, what I find really interesting about that is yes there is a statue of Zinedine Zidane um, committing perhaps the most iconic moment of his career but if you're Marco Materazzi someone's made a statue of you getting nutted and that's <laughs> gotta be weird right <laughs> listen the way that I would see it I've still got a statue that's, yeah, that's exactly. the way I'm seeing it you know it, it's all about how you sell it Exactly. You know, not exactly what it is. It'd be, yeah. I'd be like, when you're talking to people, you got a statue? Have you got a statue? No, I've got yeah. a statue, mate. What are you doing? I was I was getting comeuppance for being a massive shithouse, <laughs> but actually it worked out for, pretty well for me. You've got to commit to that lifestyle. Look, uh, football is a, a series of moments, essentially. That's, you know, what it's all about. Mm. Um, whether it's, as mentioned, Anfield 89 or just to balance it out for non-Arsenal fans right now. Yeah. If it's, you know, Arsenal getting battered by Manchester United. Uh, <laughs> Scoreline that I'm not going to mention. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's moments. And that was a moment and some. Now Matarazzi did what? This is going to give us a bit more of a clue. He said something. He certainly said something. Now what happens? He's saying some more. Well, the pictures tell the story. He leaves football in disgrace. And he leaves his team in big trouble. You've got a great um, platform to build on there, but obviously you need somebody to to finish it off at the top. Who have you gone for as your final outfield player? Do you know it's, it was it was it was very tough. Well, it wasn't for the reasons that I'll give you in a, in a moment. But in terms of when you're growing up, 
everybody wants to be a striker, don't they? You know, when you're yeah. playing football in the playground, when you're idolizing your favorite players, nobody talks about, you know, defenders or whatever. Everybody talks about the striker. So, you know, there were so many people that I would love to have put in this role. But for me, it had to be Ian Wright. He is the reason, he's the man, you know, that, that made me fall in love with Arsenal as a club. Mm. I, I was going to have no choice because, you know, my whole family uh, are Arsenal fans. My dad is diehard. My uncle's been a season ticket holder my whole lifetime and, and more. My granddad's Ghanaian, but when he came to this country, he was already an Arsenal fan um, before he came to the country. So like, I, I wasn't going to have a choice in the matter. But Ian Wright made made that he cemented it for me you know mm. because I, I as i said i'm from south london he's from south london um and at my school um you know where you pl- when you played football in the playground everybody wanted to be righty yeah I can imagine. And it's funny that you say that because I didn't. I don't come from a family that traditionally uh, like football that much. So I grew up in uh, in Zone Six um, in a town <laughs> called Raynham. So our our thing was always you could support a London club, and I'm really grateful that I didn't grow up from a football supporting family because I probably have to support West Ham. But yeah. it was it was Ian Wright that made me made me love Arsenal in exactly the same way. Just something infectious about the guy. He is, I mean, we're, we're seeing it now, you know, on, on, on Match of the Day and all the various different platforms that he's popping up on now. Um, his personality is is massive and it always has been. It's just now he's able to show it off more because of things like social media and that. Mm. And, and I often see when he puts things up on uh, Twitter or Instagram or whatever, a lot of the comments are people saying like, you know, I'm a Spurs fan, but I love you, righty. I'm this, I'm mm. that, you know, because he is just somebody who is... Um, he's infectious, the way that he carries himself. Um, and I, I remember the, you know, obviously he had, he had to come home during the World Cup in, in yeah. Brazil uh, because of what happened at his, his family home. But before he came home, I, I, I tweeted him. This was the first time that he actually replied to a tweet of mine because I'd been a fan, obviously, for years. And then I, I tweeted him and I just said, you look like you are having the best lads holiday ever. And then he just <laughs> replied like, I am. And, and I, firstly, I was like, great, because he's, he's acknowledging it. But secondly, yeah. like, flipping hell, Ian Wright's just tweeted me back. I was so excited. <laughs> and I, 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 I was over the moon. And obviously since then, you know, I've, I've gone on to, to, to meet Wrighty quite a lot and, and work with him on, on, on several different things. And that to me is still a surreal experience. I bet. Yeah, I, I th- he's a sort of special figure for a lot of people and also especially because he came to football or professional football certainly quite late. Yeah. I think it was 22 when he signed for Palace, wasn't he? Which obviously, you know, he's not old, but he's still in terms of how professional footballers, um, you know, plot out their careers, even at that time, that, that is very late. And because of, I think because of that and also because of that, that personality, he felt like a fan on the pitch in the same way he feels like a fan in the punditry team. Um and I think there's, a, there's just a lot of value to that. And there's, there's, that sort of, it just warms me. Right, he just uh-huh. warms me. Yeah, well, he, he, he warms all of us. He is, you've just hit the nail on the head there. He is most definitely, he was most definitely a fan on the pitch, you know. And Crystal Palace fans will vouch for that as well because Palace fans still love him and what he did mm. at Palace. And he still shows a lot of love for them um, when he's on Match of the Day and stuff. But, you know, I've read his autobiography and I'm sure, you know, many people listening to this probably have as well. I don't know if you mm. have, Jim, but in his autobiography, he, he, he talks a lot about the come up and how difficult it was and how he was you know, moments away from just packing it in. Um, and then 
he got given a chance. I think it was Steve Coppel at Crystal Palace who, who who gave him a shot and the rest is history, I guess. And he he cried the day he got signed oh. by Arsenal. He cried. It was it was a mixture of tears of, of joy, but also tears of happiness because he was he cried tears of joy because he 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 wanted to play for Arsenal because he's his long term friend David Rowcastle, um mm. Rocky Rowcastle was playing for Arsenal at the at the time and they grew up together and and he he really wanted to, you know, follow in, in David Brocastle's footsteps. But also uh he, he was sad because he didn't want to leave Crystal Palace. And yeah. uh he really valued the fact that um Steve Coppel gave him that opportunity at Palace and it was just it was it was hard to leave. But you know, he, he doesn't look back now. But just that shows you the type of person that he is and and, and you know how decent Right, he is. And, yeah. and also how in touch with his feelings he is. I love that about him. You know, yes. he's, he's constantly crying. You know, I don't know if you <laughs> listened to Desert Island Discs that he did. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's infamous, isn't it? He's, it's Ian Wright's story of, yeah. of you know, of, of the the background he has and the, the, the lack of support he really received and, and the difficulties he was, you know, he got into in his life before he was, before, you know, football effectively turned it around is, is, is a hell of a listen. Do check it out. Yeah, it's really, really good. And, and you know, again, just a memory of mine, South Nord, when Wrighty was playing for Arsenal, I think he still lived in, uh, in in South London. I think, I'm not too sure. Obviously, I'm, I wasn't stalking him or anything, but I'd, <laughs> I'd, of, I'd often see him um, driving. He, had a, he used to have a white BMW. It was a convertible BMW, white. And I'd often see him driving through South Nord where I grew up in this car. And I just thought, that is the coolest man ever. That's what I want to be doing at some point in my life. Still haven't yeah. managed to achieve it. <laughs> well, you know, it's early days yet. And it's a, it's a, it's a high thing to aim at as well. You're, you're absolutely right about how openly he wears his emotions. And that's a rare thing among footballers. Mm. And and I think that is that is what makes him such a sort of a, such a great figure. And on the pitch as well, I think perhaps because he's got such a big character and he's probably more known as a pundit now. And also this applies to Gary Lineker as well. I think a younger generation have no idea how good those players were. Mm. Like he was so quick. He could score every type of goal. He popped up when you needed him. He scored important goals. You just knew when right he was on the pitch that you were probably going to be all right. And that is just... As a fan, it's invaluable, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you need, it sounds like a cliche, but that classic fox in the box, you know, you knew that if Wrighty was getting on the end of anything, nine times out of 10, it was it was going in the back of the mm. net. And that's the reason why, you know, Arsenal fans fell in love with him because he was the man that was scoring the goals. And like I said, at the very start of this section about your striker, everybody idolises the striker. Everybody wants to be the striker. And when you've got someone like, Ian Wright with the gold tooth and the big yeah. grin, you know, and, and the Nike boots. I, I, I remember everything about, you know, watching Wrighty as a kid. And yeah. uh, it, it's, like I said, to, to, to meet him for me was, was a pleasure. Um, and, and, and I'll never forget that um, he, <laughs> he messaged me on Instagram saying that we should, uh, he used to do a thing called um, the Wright and Bright show or the Bright and Wright show. I can't remember which way around it was. Mm. It, was it was with Mark Bright. Um, and and he, he said we should reboot it, me and you. Oh, I've been pitching it, but you know nobody wants to take it. <laughs> oh man! Oh, well, let's so if you've got, got any connections, it. mate, yeah, have yeah. a word. If you're listening, any literally anyone, make it happen. Make it happen. Well, to get the uh, pass away, and what a dangerous pass it's turned out to be, Limpart. And right, has struck home a hat trick for Arsenal. 
A terrific first half here at Highbury. Right, so we could talk about righty all day. So let's, uh, as tempting as it is, let's move on to your your, your substitute. Um, who, uh, if you're listening to this show for the first time, that you know, um, people picking their teams also get a rolling substitute, but that person cannot be a footballer. And who have you gone for, Nick? Right. Well, for my rolling sub, growing up again, I was a huge. I mentioned it already once before, but uh, I was a huge WWF fan, which mm. is now obviously the the WWE. And I grew up when, you know, it, the golden era of WWE. It was called the Attitude Era, uh, the best era. So it was from the, the late nineties to the to the early noughties. Um, and it's basically the the era that had Stone Cold Steve Austin, the era that had um, D-Generation X with mm. Triple H, Shawn Michaels, you know, all of these guys. So I've gone for the great one, the Brahma Ball, the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. I have, of course, <laughs> gone for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. How could you not? This it's... guy, he is one of my favorite, and I, I say this without you know, smirk on my face or, you know, with any sarcasm is one of my favorite people in the world. The, the man is incredible and electrifying is the work. It's like a human being has been carved from pure charisma and having that cheerleading you on the side. I think even, even this team of, of shithouse maniacs would, <laughs> <laughs> would gain some energy from that. The, the scariest thing I was thinking about this last night, actually, the scariest thing is it would be my job as player manager to tell Dwayne the Rock Johnson that he's on the bench. That would be <laughs> the scariest moments. Like, yeah, yeah. sorry, Rocky, mate, you're uh, you're not in the team today. You, you're on the bench. Sorry, how much do I bench? No, no, no. Um, you're actually you're actually you're actually on the. Um, oh God, <laughs> I'd probably end up getting the people's elbow. To be honest yeah. with you, if, if I said that to him, but uh, I I just think that he is somebody who's made such a success out of his life um mm. you know he's he obviously is successful in the wwe but from then he's i think he's now i, I don't know if this is still a fact because i don't keep abreast of these things too much but at one point he was most definitely the highest earning uh actor in the world wasn't he yeah and i think has perhaps his movies had a combined gross total of over a billion dollars at the box office or something absolutely wow. crazy like that. I mean, a lot of that will be Fast and the Furious franchise, I would imagine. But even so, it's an incredible, incredible achievement to to come out of something else. So you've got to feel for Vinnie Jones a little bit there and, and righty to a point. It's like, all oh, right, oh, you do a bit of acting, dear. Oh, what? So after one career, you presented, what was it, Top of the Pops? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I used to be a wrestler. I'd do a bit of acting myself now, you know. Um, but I, th- I think he'd be humble. To be fair, well, nobody's going to say anything to the Rock, are they? That's the that's the thing. They they have to be humble. Yeah, shut your damn mouth and know your role. In the words of the Rock. <laughs> so to play slight devil's advocate here, and no, I would not say this to his face. But is there a chance that he's so big it would affect his mobility on the pitch, and it actually, you know, it might hinder his game somewhat? Well, I mean, I I did think about this, but. Um... I also then thought to myself, well, if we're winning 1-0 or 2-1, you know, squeaky bum time and that, mm. get the rock on, you know, and just tell him to be cynical all the time. <laughs> just shoulder, but just stand there. Just don't let anyone run past you. That's what I say. You know, just stand there. They'll smack. Even if they try and go shoulder to shoulder with the rock, who's going to win that? Yeah. Just as they approach, give them the eyebrow. Yeah. They, will, they will crumble. <laughs> Give them the people's eyebrow and then they will just be like, yeah, probably I don't really fancy this. 
<laughs> it's the rock. <laughs> I mean, what a guy. Yeah, you know, what a guy. He's, he's mic work as well, just just for the I'm just fanboying now, basically. No, it's fair but, enough. You know, he's his mic work, even to this day, is probably the best mic work in the WWE ever. So I feel like he would be somebody who, even though I'm the player manager, he would be somebody who I'd be like, look, Rocky, you do the, the team yeah. talk. You you, do, the- you hand yeah, you handle the team talk. I know you've got this. You are the people's player manager. Yeah. In this scenario. I'm, I'm going for that. Give the people what they want. That is a spectacular way to, to end the show. Thank you very much for coming on, Nick. It's hugely appreciated. Uh, is there anything you want you want to, you want to plug that you would like to send people towards? Um, if you want to listen to my radio shows, that'd be great. Um, I, this is a football um, podcast, so probably best to plug my Radio Five live show. It's called The Squad. Um, you can hear it on Sunday mornings on BBC Radio Five Live. Me kind of talking rubbish about what's been happening in the world of football with a panel and stuff. And if you like music, I'm on Radio 1 Extra every Saturday at 10 in the morning. Cool. Nice one. Well, again, cheers, Nick. And thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you all later. Nice one. This was a Stakhanov production.